Well, thanks for being with us, everybody. Welcome to the TGC Canada Worship God podcast, where we love to talk to worship leaders about everything related to gospel-centered worship and how we can make Jesus famous in our local church with our lives and encourage other people to do the same. So welcome. Thanks for being with us today. If you're with us last time, we talked about how a worship leader can handle praise. And uh, the Bible says that that's the crucible for us, and we need to be careful about that. Today, we turn to a very related topic, something that's probably a little harder to deal with than receiving praise. Uh, receiving praise feels easy, but it can be dangerous. Uh, today, we're talking about how a worship leader uh, receives and handles criticism. So obviously, you've been there with us as uh, we talk about this. So just before we jump in, I want to welcome our co-hosts. So with me is Rob Brockman. Rob is worship pastor at Living Hope Church in Georgetown, Ontario. Rob, good to see you. Good to be here, Jody. And all the way on the West Coast, we love our West Coast brother, Pat Sabell, who is the worship uh, pastor at Midtown Church, a brand new congregation that's just getting fired up. And uh, Pat, good to see you. You too as well. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jody Cross. I am the lead pastor at South Shore Bible Church as of uh, about seven days from now. So <laughs> new role for me, new role for Pat. And uh, Rob's been at his church for a number of years, so we're all across the country, and uh, but we're with you in that we uh, love to see Christ lifted up, and we want to see people encouraged in their worship of Him. Well, the inevitability of criticism, uh, you know, if you've been in the role any length of time, you know that it's easy to receive criticism, or it's easy that it comes to you, it's not easy to receive it. But uh, it's the inevitable thing, someone comes up to you after a service or before a service, they have words with you. Perhaps someone has walked out in the middle of a service when you were playing your guitar, singing a song, and you kind of wondered, what's going on? Are they going to the bathroom? And then the rest of their family follows, and you go, okay, this is not just, you know, one person going to the bathroom. This is like a protest, and you're trying to deal with how you do that. Uh, maybe it's a letter that gets sent to you. Maybe it's a conversation with your lead pastor, and uh, words can be very hard to hear. Guys, I want to throw it over to you. Uh, and just in terms of your own experience with receiving uh, criticism, hearing these things are hard. It feels unfair a lot of the times. It feels like a punch in the face. It's an assault to our pride. But give us, a, you know, just a, a story of when you have dealt with this in your own ministry. Well, for myself, uh, I remember very early on, guys, we're, we're talking first few months of ministry, uh, fresh out of, uh, you know, university, uh, Bible college, and I was at a church, and I was teaching some of the older band members. We were doing like a worship kind of night devotional, and I opened up the Bible. I was talking about excellence and just, you know, hey, we should bring our best, and we should be skilled and trained in music for the Lord. And at the end of the discussion, one of the members looked at me and said, essentially, well, more like word for word almost, I remember it. Thanks, Rob. Um, but we're the adults here and we've been in ministry a long time and we appreciate your comments, but we're the grown-ups, and we don't really need to hear from you about excellence and about how much more we should be practicing our instruments. And I just remembered I was floored. Like I just, it was just shocking. I think I was just like a deer in a headlights. I didn't know how to, how to even process what had just happened. And then a few years later, so that was like the first momentous kind of like, okay, wow, like criticism I had ever really received. And then a couple of years later at a different church, first week, that's just, I had bad luck. First week <laughs> I was there um, after this first Sunday service, uh, a member had asked me to meet. So I met with them and they came into my office 
and they kind of sat me down and scolded me essentially about the lack of hymns and the loudness of the music. And they said to me, you've robbed me of my worship on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there going like, wow, what a welcome. Like this is, <laughs> so, so very early on, those two criticisms, I think really did a number on me and kind of did some stuff in my heart that was, uh, you know, started a, to a breeding ground of insecurity and fear of man very early in ministry. That was some of my first experiences. Yay. What a great encouragement that is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Pat? Do you have a story you, to tell? Don't you love the church, hey? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's made up yeah. of every, every type of individual personality. And often we're, uh, Criticism is a hard thing. I think God uses it in our life and it's his kindness. But um, yeah, I've had, I've had people um, after, I don't know, 18 years of being a pastor at one specific church telling me over a sharing a meal together that I wasn't a very good pastor. Um, those are always wonderful things to hear. And uh, there's been several things that I've done that's been very helpful and and leaning in to hear criticism and to, you know, guard my heart against those, those things that sometimes we, we downward spiral or, you know, we, we, we want to crawl up in the fetal position somewhere and go, how could anybody ever think this of us? Or, um, so yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk about all that, but yeah, we are. Criticism is hard and the church is filled with different people that everyone has an opinion uh, we struggle to speak the truth in love. <laughs> we just want to speak the truth or our perceived, our perception of what the truth is. And so it's always, always can be quite, quite an experience, but yeah, there, it's 31 years of being a pastor, Jody, I'm sure you've had it as well, that everybody has something to tell you uh, of what they like and don't like of you or your ministry or, or what you do for sure. Mm-hmm. It was one uh, situation I remember very vividly. <clears throat> there was a lady in the back row, and she came up to me after the service, and she said, uh, you didn't start the service with a hymn this morning. And I was just thinking to myself, I didn't see that was in the rule book. You have to start <laughs> the service with a hymn. Anyway, I was like uh, Rob. I was young. I was new to the church. And, uh, you know, it, we're going to probably talk about this, but it's not like there were people pleasing, but we want to be people leading, and we want to be worship facilitating. So when people say things to us, we question, you know, should I be doing something different to help? Obviously, I wasn't helpful with this lady. And then a couple of weeks later, I actually started the service with a hymn. And uh, she came up to me after the service, this the same lady, and she said, you didn't stand uh, when you <laughs> sang the hymn that you started the service with. At that point, I thought, okay, this is a, a losing battle. And um, But, you know, sometimes the criticisms are uh, just are groundless but sometimes they are sometimes yeah, they're, they're they fair. hit the mark and they're fair and that we have things to learn and i'm just reminded today that uh when you step into leadership you know we put ourselves in the, the crosshairs of, of criticism and as as you said pat uh, god uses that in our lives to produce humility in us to produce patience in us to teach us to train us and in fact uh Proverbs, if you're, if you're tracking with us today, you probably are already thinking about some Proverbs and some, mm-hmm. some scriptures that, that actually say, hey, you know, just be aware that this is a good thing. And so a couple of them that I'm thinking of, Proverbs 19, 20, listen to advice 
and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs 19.20. Another one, here's the warning. If you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be honored. Uh, one more from Psalm 141.5. Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It's soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. Mm-hmm. Now, that is what the scripture says. So that's a great plumb line for us. But guys, what what is our natural knee-jerk reaction when someone comes up to us with a criticism? What do we typically do? What do you, what do you think about that? Oh man, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think our, our temptation is to, uh, we're prone to have a higher view of ourselves than we probably ought, ought to. <laughs> um, as scripture tells us not to think more highly of ourselves, but I think we do. Um, and so therefore criticism often is something, I'm sorry here, I got like a lawnmower or something going on outside. <laughs> it sounds like it's in the room with me here. It just sounds like a squeaky toy. It doesn't sound like a lawnmower, so it's okay. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but we, we think more highly of ourselves. And so we're, we're, we're devastated. Like how could that person ever think that of us? Um, and so I, I think there's, it's so helpful to understand the gospel and to preach the gospel to ourselves on a regular basis, because the gospel continually reminds me that, that I, I am the chief of sinners that I'm, that's my my standing it's everything that i have that i've received is grace and so from that position when someone brings a a correction or someone's got a criticism of me whether it's an accurate criticism or a false criticism or something in between um, i should be able to, to posture my heart at a level that says wow i'm you're, you're probably even still thinking better of me than what is true of me. <laughs> you know, what, what, what really goes on in my heart, if it was the, a, a big movie theater or a big screen, my heart was a big screen and everybody could see what's going on in my heart on a regular basis, it, it would be utter devastation. Most people couldn't handle what they would see of their own hearts or my heart for that mm-hmm. matter. And so the ra- reality that my heart is is uh is deceitful as jeremiah says above all else um i i think understanding that helps me uh be suspicious of my own heart and when people would say something rather than go how could they i could maybe be saying wow like i think my heart is more deceitful and maybe even worse than they (laughs) than they think and so the gospel can help me it can create a foundation, I think, for hearing criticism. Amen to that. Yeah. You know, the gospel tells us we're not good enough. We're not perfect. We're human. We make yeah. mistakes. We sin. But the gospel says we're loved and we're accepted. And right. we are in progress, right? He began a good work. He's carrying on a completion. And I think if we have this sense of perfection in our own lives, that we don't make mistakes, then we are deceived. And if we think we don't have to grow, we are misled and we are deceived and in fact uh, i remember I, I don't know if i told this story but there was a young guy that i was uh mentoring he was an intern with us a couple of summers ago and i watched him as he taught a, a group of junior high kids and in uh, 20 minutes he actually lifted his music stand up it was on a hydraulic lift he up and down and twisted it 22 times in the 20 minutes and i said to him afterwards i said 
were you aware of actually what you were doing as you were speaking? And he had no awareness of these little unconscious mannerisms. Now, I didn't rebuke him, but I pointed it out to him and he had no awareness of it. And it just reminded me that there's a lot of things that we are blind to. Uh, we are just not self-aware about whether it's a music stand or whether it's something that's, you know, more, more essential, more critical than that, more problematic than that, that it is a kindness if someone points that stuff out to us because we have room to grow. Rob, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Proverbs 12, one says this, whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Hmm. That's what it says. <laughs> that's pretty clear, he isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So the, our and what Pat, what you guys are saying is bang on. Like ideally, if in our like sanctified mind, we should be desiring reproof. We should be desiring discipline because we don't want to be dumb. Like we don't want to be stupid. Meaning ignorant. Meaning lacking that kind of awareness and knowledge. And but so often we are, and so often insecurity um, or pride. I th I found for me that the biggest battle was pride. It was as a defensiveness mm -hmm. when people came up and yes. started criticizing me, I would, I would just automatically adopt the mindset of, uh, these are just critical people. Like these are just immature Christians who just want their way. And I'm being, un and I became a victim, right? Like everyone's just so critical. Like why can't we be more godly as opposed to doing what we're saying, which is like, well, wait a second, you know, maybe there's some valid criticisms here. Like, hey, maybe maybe I should be starting off with a hymn because I'm playing to a bunch of seniors who, like, that's my audience. And, may, you know, as opposed to just going, oh, like, what a, what a bad group of people mm -hmm. being willing to learn that knowledge. And so I think we can act in foolishness. And I think often that kind of pride that we get is a self-protective mm. mechanism yeah. um, that we deal with. Yeah, rooted in the gospel has got to be has got to be job one for us as leaders, uh, because we are going to receive just criticism. We're going to receive unjust criticism, and we're going to need to know how to deal with those things. As I was thinking of sources of criticism, I, I came up with four. I don't know if you guys want to add to this, but number one was self. We can be self-critical. We can feel like nothing we ever do is good enough, particularly if we're we're perfectionists, driven to be you know uh, perfect. Second is the evil one. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 10, that he is the accuser of the brethren. And Satan comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He comes to condemn us. And I don't know, you probably like me have felt like these thoughts that sound like us. It's from him. You know, uh, you're not good enough. Uh, you're not, you don't have what it takes. Why are you doing this? You're, you're not cut out for this. And all of those things, the, kind of the spirit of comparison, Satan loves to capitalize on those things and just attempt to take us down. Mm. Uh, our eyes are on ourselves. The third source of criticism would be from, from people. We've just talked about that. Our congregation members who either before the service or after the service are writing a letter to us, have some, some things to say. I know I received a comment from a guy before the service on Easter Sunday morning, about 10 minutes before I was supposed to go into prayer, talking mm. about how the choice of my songs was grossly inadequate and uh, they were inept. And, uh, you know, it, they were just, Horrible songs. Hey, let's go uh, worship the risen king. Yeah, uh, yeah Good thanks. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Uh, so people will come up, and then and then I think the a fourth source, which is we really we should talk about that, is is your lead pastor. In past episodes, we have talked about our relationship with the lead pastor, 
And whether that individual is micromanaging or insecure or perhaps really cares about us and really says, you know, you're a young leader or you're an older leader and there's some things I need to point out to you. And again, that's the kindness of the Lord. And um, so did I miss anything in terms of kind of sources of criticism? The people, the pastor, the evil one herself? Did we cover those things, you think? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good list. It's amazing to think that of all, all those four categories, the answer to all of those is the gospel. Yeah. Like, like actually preaching it to ourselves on a daily basis. Um, and then, like, I, I was just thinking of uh, Milton Vincent's little book, The Gospel Primer, and one of the sections in there where he talks about we're significant players in each other's gospel narrative. Um, so when I think of Sally in my church and Sally has something to, to say to me, whether it's a, an accurate perception or an inaccurate perception or whatever, God uses Sally and God uses Fred and Peter and, you know, pick those people in your church. God uses them as a means of grace in your life. They're significant players in, in your gospel narrative. And so if that's the case, you know, how do I, I, I need to, I need to be saying, God, like, thank you for these people. Um, thank you for the criticisms that come and, and understand that God's using this to, to, to conform me to his image. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't think we think that a lot of times. I think we're, no. we're just, we're busy doing life and we're thinking, well, that was ignorant of them or how could they, but but boy, what a, what a wonderful means to learn to be conformed to the image of Jesus and to, to learn to respond in a way, you know, a soft answer turns away wrath. How, how do we come back at them? Not, not now, you know, button heads, but with a gracious way that, that now we're a significant player in their gospel narrative. And they're going, wow, I need, I really need to learn. I had a guy in my church one time that, he was, we had planted the church was first year and um, he, he did not agree with one of our significant doctrines of the church, spent hours, probably days studying, walked in my office with big stacks of books, slapped down his paper with all his, everything that he pulled off the internet and threw it there on my desk and said, this is all my study I've done. You're wrong. <laughs> and it, we sat there for like, probably two hours. And I, I was, I felt the Lord just tell me to be gracious, just love this brother and, and not, not try to, you know, let's go against him and let's say, no, you're wrong. And, and uh, after about two hours, uh, he left, uh, I think it was like maybe two years later where he came to me, he stayed in the church in spite of it. Uh, watched that, saw that the doctrine that we proclaimed that there was a lot of grace and a lot of love. And he came back two years later and said, I can't believe that I was so arrogant and so dogmatic. And I need to ask you to forgive me. This was two years. (laughs) Uh, So these are beautiful moments where, where if we understand the gospel, we, we don't have to get into a fighting match or a shooting match. We, we, we just need to, Think like you said, boy. I'm I'm a I'm the biggest sinner I know, but Jesus loves me more and accepts me more than anyone else does, and therefore I can see criticism as as a kindness in my life. Mm-hmm. I think maybe to comment on the congregation of the sources, and maybe I'd love to know if you guys have picked up on this or not. 
what I've realized is a lot of time critics, criticism seems to stem from people that I don't have a great relationship with. I don't know them that well. I remember very early on, um, I, we would get a lot of complaint from our seniors. And so one, one Tuesday morning, I kind of went into the seniors devotional time, fell on the bullet and said, Hey, I, I hear some of you aren't that happy with what's going on. And it was like an hour of tears and yelling and accusations. And it, but it was incredibly healing at the end of that time for me coming in and listening to them, listening to them weep about why their kids don't want to come to church because they don't like the music and blah, 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 blah. And I heard them and prayed with them. At the end of that, like, I developed such great relationships with these seniors that I would still get little criticisms now and then, but it was like, oh, you know, I don't like that music, but I love you. And all of a sudden, right. like it, it changed. And I find like when there's critical people, uh, I think often maybe it, there's a rebuke there that we haven't really, now if sometimes if our church is really big, maybe it's not a fair rebuke, but have I not sought after and built a relationship with that person they're suspicious of me and um sometimes that can be the case and so it's not even just a congregation sometimes it's a it's a person in the congregation maybe that i'm i don't really know that well and i need to build a bit more relationship with them mm -hmm. excellent yeah i heard a an older man in our church say i don't really like the music but i love their heart and i think you know it's what you're saying rob if, if you have a relationship they know your motive they know your intent uh, there's a lot, it's a lot easier to, to swallow things that we don't always agree with. Yeah. Well, in the last 10 minutes that we have guys, um, I have in my notes jotted down some, some things, uh, what do we do with criticism? So let's, let's talk about some practical things we can do. I'm going to start it off and then we're just going to do a, a potpourri popcorn fire off some how to's how to deal with criticism. I'm going to start with number one, James 1:19 says, be slow to speak. And so someone comes up to me and they fire it off and I'm feeling attacked and I, my pride is hurt and I want to lash out and I want to defend myself. But the Bible encourages me, exhorts me to be slow to speak, to, to be quick to listen. So, uh, you know, we, we don't want to interrupt the person. We don't want to respond too quickly. We want to let them finish. Uh, the Bible says be slow to become angry, uh, to not rail back, but to give, uh, you've already said this, Pat, today, a soft answer turns away wrath. And just to have the spirit of graciousness, right? That is not going to be our instinctive first response, but let the scriptures just redirect us to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to get angry, and just maintain a gracious attitude. All right, Rob, what do you got next for us? What, what's something you would do? How would you handle criticism? For me, it's a lot of it has been, and this is all tied to my personal development as a believer. So if I'm not living in the gospel, if I'm not growing in my faith, I'm going to be a whole, it's going to be a whole lot more easier to get me off track with comments like this. So this is even before those things come. I need to make sure that, hey, I'm, I'm living in Christ. I mean, Second Timothy talks about how the Lord's servant mustn't be quarrelsome. They, they must be kind. They must be be patiently enduring evil, correcting opponents with gentleness. So I can't hope to respond to somebody with gentleness and kindness. I can tell you, respond with kindness. That's how you need to respond with kindness. But for me, the, the way in order I do that is that's maturity and faith. So I got to be growing mm -hmm. in that primarily. And so I would sure. say I really start with my faith, with my maturity in Christ. That's the starting block mm -hmm. for those things. Good. Okay. Pat. 
I think to see that brother, or that sister for one for whom Christ died, like mm -hmm. I think sometimes we, you know, there's all kinds of things going on in our head while they're while they're giving their criticism, but could could we just, you know, in that moment ask the Lord, could you help us to see that's that's a brother in Christ. Jesus, you shed your blood for this brother. Mm -hmm. Um he's he's my brother. You've you're not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters and um so we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I think just understanding that helps us to um you know to realize this isn't even maybe an, a, a one time thing this is this is that gospel narrative that's being played out that um this this brother is a significant individual in my life and so it's not going to be over in a few minutes and then i'm going to move on from him and do ministry um but i'm going to you know this god's going to use this in my life and in his life mm -hmm. so that's good i um I'm thinking as well, you know, oftentimes when these criticisms come, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, face to face, our our tempers rise and our blood pressure rises. Mm -hmm. And uh sometimes it's good to diffuse the situation and almost to say, you know, just to actually listen and to say, thank you for taking the time to come and share your concerns with me, to share these these difficulties that you're having with me or the music or the team or whatever it happens to be. Uh, can you allow me some time? I'm going to think through this. I want to pray through yeah. this. And I'd love to meet with you again over coffee and we can pray about it and process it more. And I think there's these opportunities in these things, Pat, you were just saying that just for, for moments of, of, I want to call it a win where restoration and fellowship, you know, it's going to be so much more than just the incident or the specific complaint. It's, it's going to be an opportunity to have a brother or a brother and a sister really coming together in Christ and having God knit their lives together, putting this other issue aside, because that's not even the real issue, but maintaining the unity in the body of Christ, maintaining the peace and having it a, a teachable gospel redemptive moment that says, yeah, I needed to hear what you had to say. And, and we do need to make some changes about that, or I need to make some changes, but I just want to tell you, I love and appreciate you. And um, thank you for, for loving me and caring about me enough for this issue enough to come and talk. And sometimes those conversations go the other way. Like the one you just told, told about where two years later, this guy said, you know, I was the jerk. I was the, the hot-headed uh, guy filled with pride. Uh, but they're beautiful gospel moments when the relationships right. are maintained and you actually learn something as a leader. So yeah. put, put the thing aside, meet over coffee prayerfully, and just have a heart-to-heart, face-to-face. I would, I would say also, like, have a close brother or two or three who are kind of bold with you, that you can go to them and say, hey, somebody said this to me. Have you seen this? Like, and that's maybe taking this to the next level of really searching your heart. Like, really search your heart over it and don't dismiss it. And go to people who are willing to go, you know what, man? Nah, I, I don't see that, you know? or yeah, I think maybe you should, like, it's good that it's not just you evaluating this. Go to your senior pastor with it. Um, often he's probably already heard it in email, uh, typically, at least, you know, the elders have. And so that, that definitely is one thing. I think in the moment, a great thing to do is when that conversation happens and you're walking away, just, just preach a little mini gospel sermon to yourself. Um, Alfred Poirier, in, in his article, The Cross and Criticism, 
he says, you know, if you do, if you take the gospel to heart, you'll be able to reply, if God has justified me, who can condemn me? If God justifies me, accepts me, and will never forsake me, then why should I feel insecure and fear criticism? And, and But we need to actually do that. Like, it's like great to believe that. But in the moment, do that. Just go, okay, Lord, I'm justified. I am in Christ. This might be a valid criticism, but this is not going to send me to hell. This is not a condemning sin. This is a weakness of mine. And in Christ, I can kind of admit that. Yeah. I was thinking about... Um friend of mine once said if one person is saying something about you you can you know put it on the shelf and say thank you and I'll, I'll pray about this think about it but if two or three or four people are saying the same thing it's probably accurate and so um, I think it's helpful to hear people's criticism with our ears and eyes wide open and then to pray and and I'm I'm very good my wife is uh, you know, obviously our wives are never usually afraid to, to, uh, communicate what they, what they think. Um, and so I'm, I'm one to, uh, you know, I had a couple staff a couple years ago where I would say to them in a staff meeting, guys, next week, uh, the floor is wide open, but I, I need to be a better pastor. And so I'm going to ask you for next week, if you would come and would you, just communicate one way I could grow as a pastor. Mm. And so these guys, I would take my laptop and I would sit there and I would take notes as they said, you know, uh, here's what we appreciate about you, what we see really growing, but here's one thing that I think this could make you a better pastor. And I would hear that. I would take notes. I would thank them. I had no rebuttals. I had no, not trying to just would hear them out and then I would go home to my wife and I would say, love, John said this about me today in staff meeting. I asked them, um, and, and I've made a practice of this all in my, my years of, with my wife and date nights, you know, a date night every three months. I'd say, how could I be a better husband, love? Um, and, and we would do family nights. I'd pull my kids in a room and tell them next week, dad's going to give you the floor for one way I can be a better dad. So if we're practicing this, we're, we're also we're preparing our hearts to receive. So mm -hmm. I went to my wife and I said, what, and John said this about me, what do you think, love? And she says, oh, he's dead on. <laughs> uh, and so there wasn't one person, it was two persons. And then I asked a, another friend of mine, he says, oh, yeah, that's, that's definitely you. That, that made me think, I really need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, would you help me in this area? So a good, good practice to have. One person saying something, pray about it. Two people, three people. You should probably like really press in and ask the Lord to help you in that area. Amen. Proverbs 27, 17, a verse that many people know, iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are, you know, this is part of our sanctification journey, being conformed to the image of Christ. It has very little to do with music and how well we play our guitar. It has everything to do with the character of Christ being formed in us. And that's just a wonderful thing. It's, it's something that God uses in our lives. And so, you know, I want to encourage all of us today to have that heart of humility and to be teachable. Pat, you, you uh, just showed a lot of humility in what you just said in terms of inviting rebuke from your family, your staff. And I mean, that would, be, that would be a gutsy thing for us all to pray, would be to say, Lord, send me somebody who will love me enough uh, to point out things and, and rebuke me and correct me and admonish me. Uh, 
we would normally much rather pray, God, send 10 people to, to praise and affirm me and to build me up. And that's what we talked about last time. But, you know, today's prayer is, Lord, uh, you love me. You will discipline me. You love me that much. And God, use your people uh, to change me and to help me to become a better leader. And I think to the end, I want to end on John chapter 15, verse 8, and just that whole section that, you know, when we're fruitful, the Lord in his goodness prunes us so that we will become even more fruitful. There are little bits of our lives that need to be trimmed off and pruned and things that we have to address so that we will bear much fruit to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And so uh, brothers and sisters, as you watch today in your own ministries, and if you felt the sting of rebuke, we want to encourage you to keep pressing into the Lord and thank him for his kindness and mm -hmm. to keep going, keep growing and to uh, just not give up if, like Rob, you experience some difficult words or some difficult situations that almost uh, caused you to just uh, throw in the towel, hang in there, and continue to serve the Lord and continue to let Jesus be formed in you. And uh, guys, I want to thank you, Rob and Pat. Thanks for some great uh, just heart stuff today and encouraging. Hey, Cody, yeah. Could I just uh, just say that the, the article that Rob just mentioned, the cross and criticism. It is a must. People should, if you're in, in, a, in ministry, you should have it on your desktop. It should be read monthly, I think. And, and it's a PDF. You can get it online, The Cross and Criticism by Alfred Poirier. Um, and I, this, this article has helped me so much in receiving criticism. So just want to do a plug for people to. That's right. Have. That's good. And rarely do we have a podcast where we don't talk about one or two or three books or a couple <laughs> of things. So we've heard, we've heard some good stuff today. Well, guys, thanks so much. Thanks everybody for being with us. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks where we'll have some more interesting things to talk about, about how we as worship leaders can be more faithful and uh, more Christ exalting as we are rooted in Christ, rooted in the gospel and seeking to serve him faithfully. Thank you. God bless you. We'll see you next time.